Welcome back. People, you are about to witness and listen to our first mini cast. Once again, this is a new format that we're going to try where we put out a 10 or 15 minute episode between major episodes and, and celebrate and illustrate some of the innovative things people are doing within within healthcare, whether it's saving healthcare dollars or improving care. I think this will provide a way of celebrating these wins. And so for our first minicast, we interviewed two people at the Ottawa Patient Safety Conference. Janine Malcolm, an endocrinologist. She is a clinical investigator with OHRI, that's the Ottawa Hospital Research Institute. And she works with diabetic patients and she spearheaded a program where she can see her patients virtually, basically via cell phone or any tablet or or computer, she's able to interact with her patients. And she talks about the dramatic effect that has on the quality of care she could provide. And then we talked to Melissa Brett, who I've also known for a long time. She is a manager of patient safety and clinical quality at the Ottawa Hospital. And she works with patients awaiting long-term care, i.e. waiting to go to a nursing home, and talks about the impact that has on the patient, the system, and we talk about some of the solutions that might help these circumstances. So, yeah, we'll see how you guys like the the, the format, and uh, don't hesitate to give us feedback at quadcast99 at gmail.com. Let's jump into it. I am here with Janine Malcolm at the Ottawa Hospital Patient uh, Safety Conference. Who And how long have we known each other, Janine? Oh, my Janine? God. Uh, probably 18 years, 18 years, years yeah, like 19 yeah. years, something were, like that. You were my attending. <laughs> yes, I remember that. <laughs> but I, I do believe it was early in your career. <laughs> so, it, you, know, you know, I just saw one of your, your team's... Um, uh, presentations on e-consultations or e-visits and I love the idea. We had Dwayne Hickling yeah. on uh, a previous episode talking about that. So I'm wondering if you're comfortable talking about your experience or your perspective with right. that. So yeah, I, I honestly this is a project that I'm completely passionate about. Like, so we had the opportunity just to use one of the um, the platform, the OTN platform, actually, to do this e-visit. And it's the idea is so easy. The patients in their own home, they use their own device, they can dial in, and then at the hospital or in the physician's home, they can dial in to connect to the patient. And we thought initially we used it as um, a way of trying to engage our transitioning youth, basically, right? So these these young people who are transitioning for diabetes, they may go off to university, they have other things going on. They're connected people. They like to FaceTime. We mm-hmm. thought, this is perfect. And it was like amazing. So these young people who had not come to clinic, not be prepared, you dial in with the e-visit. They're showing you things like, oh, you know, this is what's in my fridge. And, you know, incredible. I can't, I don't know how to, you know, carb count these things. I don't know how to manage this. And, you know, you have this great interaction with them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then we thought, okay, well, let's send it to our, just our general diabetes population. Get for patients with type 1 diabetes, fantastic. Um, these people get these sort of, we can do sort of more just-in-time kind of one-on-one, mm. ask their question. When, they, when they're when they having difficulty getting into clinic in six months, we can see them 
quickly. Wow. I had a young person who missed tons and tons of appointments. They were on vacation in Jamaica, had a problem. <laughs> said, I need to, said, well, why don't we just do an e-visit? They were e-visiting me from their hotel room, and I was able to help them talk through how they could manage their drinks on the beach and how they can manage the different food on vacation wow. with their insulin. And she came back to clinic afterwards and saw me in person. She said that made the hugest difference to her holiday. You, so valuable. Can you imagine? Like, yeah. think about that. You're on, yes. you're in Jamaica. Yes, in her hotel. And like, think about the impact that had on their quality of yes, life. Exactly. On everybody on the trip. Yeah, yeah, completely. Avoiding, avoiding a visit to hospital. Yeah. Um, that is amazing. Music. And Sorry, go ahead. Um, one other really good story, actually. So this is from the safety perspective. So I had an older woman who used to come to clinic all the time. She had a neatly typed list of her medications. So I just thought she was organized. Everything was okay. Yeah. So I did an e-visit with her, and then I was shocked to see how she managed her medications. There were in a huge jumble on her dining room table. She couldn't show me which bottles were which, wow. So even though she had her list. So, and I would never have known that if I had not done this e-visit. So after that appointment, I got the nurse, I got the pharmacist, we got her set up on a, on a sort of a dosette, but it was actually a little terrifying because I, I would have had no idea, like I would not have known that she was just randomly taking things out of the bottles if I hadn't done this e-visit and seen how she actually was in her own environment. And think about what you, like, if she was mildly confused or mildly misplaced yes. things, that's a visit to emerge or even worse. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And it's just, it's so simple. Yep. It's easy. It's convenient. Yep. And I could promise you it saves healthcare dollars. Yes, And improve the patient yes, experience. So um, I love what you guys are doing. And I hope we can spread the word a lot more here. And I think we should do a, a full show on uh, some of this stuff if you're I am, up for it. I am completely up for it. That'd awesome. be great. All right. Awesome. Thank Thanks. you so much, Janine. Okay. Bye. In this next segment, I ask Melissa Brett, what is causing the wait times for long-term care and what are the expected wait times? What have you seen, like in terms of people waiting? Like, have you seen... People waiting three days? Are you seeing people waiting months? Like, what is typical in your mind? So we kind of have a, a dividing line. So the our short stays are less than three months. And so, you know, maybe... And again, this is not like this is just a statistic yeah. I'm, I'm making, making up, up off the top of my head. No one could no one could cite you. <laughs> Please don't. Um, I would say the ones that are out within three months, it's probably less than half. Okay. And is it fair to say that this affects wait times in emerge? It, it does in, in the sense that it is a trickle-down effect. So we, we try to move patients through the system and get them to a place that is in their best interest as soon as we can so that we can free up those beds um, in, a, in an acute care area. So a typical patient trajectory would be, let's say you develop a pneumonia, you know, you're an older person, you come in to the emergency department, you get admitted to our medicine unit. You might be out in the hallway for a couple of days while they get you into a bed. And then it takes you maybe a week, two weeks, and that's kind of a good yeah. scenario, right? 
And then after that two weeks is up, you're still taking up that space in medicine. Fine. However, your care needs have dropped now to a point where a physician doesn't need to see you every day because you're no longer as sick as you were when you came in. You've been treated, you're on the mend, and then you move into kind of a, well, we call it subacute. And this, this part of your recovery is where things like mobilization become more important because we have to take that two weeks that you laid in an internal medicine bed and we have to consider, yes, you were fighting an infection, but your body was very focused on that. So a lot of your, your internal resources were directed. And then in the meantime, you weren't eating very well. You probably had a fair amount of muscle breakdown and laying around and not using those muscles. Also, you know, we lose that tone. And so our strength drops. We become uh, at higher risk for things like hospital-acquired pneumonias. So in the subacute phase, we want to get people up and moving. And one of the best ways to do that is to get them out of the hospital. Because if I'm laying in a hospital bed and I'm in, an, in a room with two other people, you know, the furthest I'm probably going to go is up, maybe up and back to the bathroom, right. which is probably three steps from the foot of my bed. But if I go home, I'm in my own environment and I'm probably going to be able to get, you know, from my couch, maybe I'll try to get to the kitchen. My bathroom's probably further away. All of these things make a huge difference in a patient's outcome is to get them back into their natural environment because they're more comfortable. Yes. I, so here's my question for you, because you see it, you've seen both ends of the spectrum when they're so critically ill. And then from when they're waiting to get to nursing home level care, if you had all the resources in the world, how would you fix this problem? So what I would love to do if I had, you know, a huge pot of money yeah. is I would love to hire more physiotherapists, occupational therapists. Yes. And I would love to get these people up and moving as soon as possible. Yes. And then what I would love to do is I would love to send them to the community, whether that's a retirement home or their own home. And I want them out there being supported by community resources. I'm going to explain something that often gets lost in the shuffle or that people don't necessarily consider. Hospitals are a great place because we have access to wonderful doctors like you. And when we're really sick, that's what we need, right? We come in, we get the antibiotics. Somebody makes sure we're getting enough nutrition. We're well monitored. We're taken care of. But when you move past that point, and you have an elderly person who maybe they're, they've got dementia, when you keep them in a hospital environment, you actually increase the risk of them developing deliriums, of their dementia progressing more quickly. This is not an environment where a person should spend a long period of time. It's an institution and they look like that, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a good place to stay long-term. And the unfortunate thing is, is that when we don't have enough resources in the community and we can't get patients out to long-term care facilities, then, you know, family members and powers of, attorney, powers of attorney will come back and say, great, they can stay in hospital. And okay, we're going to feed them. We're going to, you know, help them with their cares. But in terms of their mental health, it's not good. Mental, physical overall well-being emotional hey man i, I mm -hmm. like that idea because you know where's usually the first place 
first places we see cuts. Usually in, Allied Health. Exactly where, where you see services. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think you're on to something. So I, I think what needs to happen <laughs> moving forward is that we need to get to a situation where we put more focus on getting the patients out of hospital, get them to a long-term care bed that is available, that is sitting idle so that they can be in an environment where they can have social interaction with other people. They can go to a dining room. They can have a more dignified experience. Experience And not get hospital acquired infection or everything that we mentioned before some super bug you know all the things yeah. that we worry about our patients picking up in hospital yeah super bug anyways i know they're going to do a verbal announcement soon so thank you melissa thank and you I, I, yeah because i knew i knew i'd get you on here somehow <laughs> thank you so that's it people thank you for listening to our latest episode our first mini cast like to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp, which once again is an online counseling service that provides amazing care. Let's see the links on the show notes and use the discount code Solving Healthcare, which will save you 10%. And any feedback, once again, just email us at quadcast99 at gmail.com and really appreciate all the uh, feedback we've gotten so far. And stay tuned for an, an episode next week. Thanks so much, guys.